Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Master Willem, I've come to bid you farewell. Oh, I know. I know. You think now to betray me. No, but you will never listen. I tell you, I will not forget our adage. We are born of the blood. Made men by the blood. Undone by the blood. Our eyes are yet to open. Fear the old blood. I must take my leave. By God's fear it, Lawrence. Class is in session, and today we're getting bloody. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university the creator and host of the incredibly fantastic PlayStation Trophy Room podcast, Joseph Moran to talk some Bloodborne. How's it going, Joseph? Man, I'm doing fantastic. And you know what? You brought the real Bloodborne fan here. You didn't bring Kyle, so I appreciate that as well. Of course. Of course. Uh, Kyle's been on, and it's like, when I reached out to you, it's like, I love Bloodborne. It's like, okay, let's do Bloodborne then. I'm down. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you, you said something <laughs> like, so do you know RPGs? Like, are you a fan of RPGs? And I'm like, whenever there's a Bloodborne thing or Elden Ring thing, mm-hmm. whatever from software related, you cue me in and I'll be there. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll keep that in mind because I cannot wait for Elden Ring. Um, so we'll have to talk about that oh. when it comes out. But oh, yes. I am engorged by everything <laughs> I've been seeing with. Uh, with oh, Elden I Ring. know. Oh, I know. I'm kind of decided to go on media blackout from like after that big gameplay dump, like the 12 minute gameplay demo or whatever Bandai Namco put out. What was it? A few weeks ago. Um, I'm just like, okay, I need to go in the rest blind, but yeah, so, so good. But yeah, yes, my buddy this- was been teasing me. He's been teasing me. He was just like <laughs> that boss fight. Oh, 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 that boss fight. I'm like, okay. All right. You son of a gun. Yeah. Okay. I get it. There'll, there'll be cool boss fights. I, I know that. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, so good. But yes, we are here to talk Bloodborne. Now, this is the PlayStation exclusive release that came out back on March 24th, 2015 for North America, the 25th of 2015 in PAL regions, 26th of March in Japan, and UK got it last on the 27th of March, 2015. Now, some other games you might have been playing in this incredibly stacked year, Metal Gear Solid V, Witcher 3, Fallout 4, Dying Light, Pillars of Eternity, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, The Order 1886, Xenoblade Chronicles X, and the critically acclaimed Final Fantasy XIV that you can now play for free up through the Heavensward expansion that released in 2015. Quite a stack here, Joseph. It was a stack. That's a lot of games. Too bad none of them compared to Bloodborne. That's a shame. It's true. It's true. I mean, all the drama surrounding Metal Gear Solid and... Yep. Oh, or that Witcher 80, game was 18. pretty good. Yeah, 
it wasn't it wasn't too bad. They it kept going and it uh spawned off a it spawned a, it got its own TV show. It's it's crazy. Yeah, in yeah, that Fallout game, can, uh, can we all come to agreements that Fallout Four was just okay? Can we? Yeah. Can, can we just say it was all right? The base building was awful, and that's what really killed the mood for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, I could. I miss the pre-Skyrim <laughs> era of um, Bethesda games. Like, I miss Oblivion. I miss Fallout 3, Morrowind. Yep. Like, give those games some spotlight. Skyrim's been yep. released on, like, everything, including a kitchen sink, I feel like, at this point. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I miss I miss old Bethesda a lot. I, yeah. To me, when, like, Xbox absorbed them or acquired them, whatever, Um and I was just like, oh, man, that's a big get for Microsoft. But I'm not missing much because, yeah, like when it comes to Bethesda Studios, they haven't they haven't hit since Skyrim for me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I hope that um, was it uh, uh, their next game? That's now I'm totally blanking on it. Star Lord, Star Lord or <laughs> Starbound or. A lot of people are going to yell at us. No, for sure. The the thing that deals with stars, that one, Star Starfield. Rim? Starfield. There you go. Starfield. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrass myself no further. I hope that brings it back to to its graces. And also, can I say as well, Witcher Three, fantastic, one of the best open worlds ever made. But that combat, woof. Yeah. Woof. Uh, great card game though. Got oh, really yeah. addicted fantastic to. Card game. Got really get addicted to Gwent. Uh, playing through Witcher 3. Um, but yes, we are talking about Bloodborne. That's right. Arguably the best of the lineup of 2015, to be sure. Um, I don't think it's argued. I think it's just a fact. I mean, Final Fantasy 14 is critically acclaimed that you can play for free now up through Heaven's Ward. Mm. Uh, but eh. it's very good. Regardless... Eh. Of anything, it's fantastic. But I want to get your yeah. uh, kind of input, Joseph. You mentioned this earlier. Where did you get your soul start? Like, it tell, starts take here. us through your soul's journey. Yeah, it starts right here with Bloodborne. So the funny thing is with my newly acquired play, PlayStation 4 at the time, you know, the first year, I, I feel like the first year of PS5 and the first year of PS4, just so there's such a stark difference because while there's so much to play on PlayStation 5 and though, you know, a lot of it isn't exclusive and a lot of it is, you know, PS4 and PS5, there's still so much to play. Whereas the PlayStation 4, you had to wait a really long time for games to actually start hitting in a major way. So Mm -hmm. it first starts with the trailer that we saw with the reveal of the PlayStation 4, and it looked awesome. I always lived vicariously through my friends when it came to the Dark Souls series, because to me, it was just too hardcore. I've heard how hard these games were, how challenging these games were, and I wasn't about that life. But there was something about the Victorian setting of Bloodborne and that spookiness with that trailer that I was just, I I was enamored the moment I saw it. And when I was looking at gameplay from Gamescom of the first level, which is arguably to me the best first level you could be introduced to, um, I was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really into this. 
Mm-hmm. And so the Orchard, the Order 1886 comes out. And although I enjoyed it, and though there was a lot of marketing, I feel, behind that game, it was a bit of a commercial and critical, you know, dud. And I feel like what was the sleeper hit that no one really saw coming was Bloodborne. And when that game came out, it really, to me, changed the way I think a lot of us see a souls experience so much so that when we call them, you know, souls games, you often hear souls born games because yeah. that's how good it is. So when I played that first level, I remember for being stuck on it for three hours and going, this game sucks and <laughs> turning it <laughs> off, coming back to it a few hours later. And then something clicked and I okay. fell in love with it. I beat that boss on the bridge and I was just like, there is that dopamine hit. I need to chase it. And the father Gascoigne was like the second brick wall. And then once I grinded and grinded and I got him out of the way, that's where it truly hit. I was like, Oh my God, this, this is unlike, this is unlike anything I've experienced before, because usually in video Mm -hmm. games, they, they hold your hand until the end. And there's no like repercussions really for your actions or for your mistakes. And this game really changed that to me. So I, I have a lot of admiration for Bloodborne. So after playing Bloodborne, did you then go on to get into the Souls series or? So funny you mention it. So I beat Bloodborne after I think week two or three. And again, dug it, really loved it. And then I played Dark Souls 2 because the remaster actually came out a few weeks. I think actually two weeks after Bloodborne. And uh, everybody tells me Dark Souls 2, weakest in the series. It's actually the last time I would play it because I was just like, oof, this is a lot slower. It's a lot darker. And I'm I'm actually not digging this game that much. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until a year after where we get to Dark Souls 3 where that is the next game that I would be totally addicted to and love. And uh, it really is. I think for me, the basis of my soul's love is with Bloodborne and Dark Souls three. I kid around when I say like (laughs) me and my buddy Ains have this, like we tease each other because he thinks, Dark Souls 3, best Souls you know, game ever. I say it's Bloodborne, and we always bicker back and forth. But to me, I think both of those games are perfect. Like, mm-hmm. if you said, oh, Dark Souls 3 is my favorite, I'd be like, yeah, it's the best in that series. I, I don't blame you. If you said Bloodborne's the best, I would be like, yeah, without a doubt. But to me, I feel like Bloodborne has the most memorable bosses, where in Dark Souls, I can think of a few, but... Mm-hmm. Or Dark Souls 3, rather. But, like, nothing really sticks to me as much as as Bloodborne. And I think Dark Souls is the, is the game I only beat once. So I, I often I, I do need to go back and, and retrain myself. But then after that, like, we got Demon Souls on the PlayStation 5. And I've beaten that about twice. And I feel like I should have that platted by the fourth playthrough. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. For for me, I got started on my Soulsborne journey with 
the initial release of Demon's Souls on PS3. Like, nice. I was following that. I was very excited. I played through that and beat it. I would then go on to play Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. I wouldn't beat them for a number of years later, but by the time Bloodborne got released, it was with the new Victorian era setting, kind of the more eldritch cosmic horror aspect to it. It was such a breath of fresh air to me Mm -hmm. being able to go and see taking things I kind of recognize in terms of kind of the style of game, but in a whole new setting with a lot. In my opinion, I love the kind of Victorian era top hats and coats and things like that. I I love the armor and the gear and Bloodborne, but it was such a departure in so many ways from my typical souls experience. It was so much more offensive focus. It was so much faster. The enemies were faster. It rewarded with kind of the healing mechanic to be to attack quickly, not just dodge around. I mean, there wasn't you couldn't really block. There wasn't a parry per se. I mean, there was the repose with the gunshot or the gun Mm -hmm. timing your gunshots, but it was just such a departure and I loved it. Like the trick weapons I fell in love with. Um, Yeah. It was just so, so much fun uh, to see this whole new world. I love the trick weapons of Bloodborne. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Elden Ring prior and I feel like that, that weapon system and the magic based system is kind of very reminiscent of the trick weapons in Bloodborne, which is why I'm so excited. One of the many reasons why I'm so excited for Elden Ring. But like for me, and I don't know about you, but when it comes to the trick weapons in Bloodborne, um, my it's it's literally one of my favorite weapons in a video game just ever made. Like mm-hmm. it probably right next to like the Master Chief's assault rifle is my favorite weapon in a video game is is the saw cleaver like that mm-hmm. thing is iconic oh it's, it's unlike anything you've ever iconic. seen yeah and then like just seeing it in in the trailer of him like turning it into that two-handed weapon it was just it was so so awesome but that's the thing with bloodborne as well is like like there are so many awesome trick weapons and weapons that like mm-hmm. their gimmick is you know turning it into that two-handed mace or turning it into that two-handed sword type of thing where you can actually use it to combo folks. Like there are so many hidden tricks within that weapon system that, you know, people are still uncovering, which is really awesome to see. Yeah. For me, my, the first weapon I chose in my first playthrough still is my favorite. I love the threaded cane. Like I know it's very, different it doesn't hit the hardest but just like this elegant cane that turns into this crazy serrated whip i just always got a kick out of um yeah and love the the cane is cool i love the two-handed axe all the beginning weapons are dope Mm. as all hell um i love elaine's um uh uh, blades and ludwig's holy blade Mm -hmm. um those weapons are also incredibly iconic um but like there's also like you get like a dumb wheel but even the dumb wheel is like (laughs) awesome because you can you could don toretto some folks like it's yeah it's dope as hell 
Um, there's there's also a, um, uh, an awesome rapier you get uh, in PvP. I forget the name, but it's in uh, Kanehurst um, Castle. Like that weapon is awesome as hell because it plays mm-hmm. with with blood in a really unique way. There's just so much you can do in that game in terms of weapons. It's just again, it's so good. The Kirk so and perfect. Hammer or the Kirk Hammer. That's I thought that was so cool. Just how like the sheath was a giant hammer that you could lock your sword back into and you just start swinging around this the giant the, mallet yeah there's like this cool thing you do with it where you literally turn it in like while you're turning it into a hammer you have like this like these two slashes you sheath it real fast and then you just come with this huge just you know bonk the enemy on the head with this huge ass hammer it was yeah the, the hammer is also a really cool weapon god it's mm-hmm. so cool so what is it like what when you hear Bloodborne or where someone yeah. tells talks to you or asks you about Bloodborne, mm-hmm. what's what comes to mind instantly for you? Like what is what is Bloodborne to you? So the first thing that comes to mind to that as of recording, it's been 2075 days since the launch of the original Bloodborne. <laughs> the second the second thing that comes to mind is it's you talk about cosmic horror, you know, we've seen a lot of Lovecraftian ideas being thrown out in pop culture. And for me, I think the first time that I really dealt with that in a major way is Bloodborne. And it's one of the reasons why I love that type of horror and why I love sci-fi like horror, because it's like it's this thing of this thing that is terrorizing you is not even from this plane like mm-hmm. you can't even see it in fact it means it, it to you you mean so little to it right like that that is something that you don't get to see played around with often enough and i think bloodborne plays with it insanely well i think the the thing that i also fall in love with when it comes to bloodborne that the thing that comes to my mind is the twist we are thrown into this world where you you saw all the marketing materials where hunting wolf people right we're fighting mm-hmm. these 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 sickly you know werewolves and midway through the game it's just like no actually you're fighting shit you can't even see and i'm like whoa mm-hmm. what and it's that it's that as your insight to this other world, the the currency in the game becomes more so you start seeing things in the world you couldn't see before that was literally right in front of you. Yeah. And it's that twist that always one of the first scenes I think of when I think of Bloodborne is when you defeat Rom and you see the blood moon. That is that scene. Oh, so good. That's the first thing I think of when I think of Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. It's there's just there's so many layers to this game. Yes. That's what makes it so fantastic. You just discover as you play. And and I think this is one of the magical elements that From Software has done with Soulsborne games in general. It's the story is very much not in the player's face. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's always there if players want to find it and experience it. 
whether it's in the item descriptions or the little dialogue options um, from like the people in the houses who are locked up telling you about um, the hunt and yeah, which always makes it, it almost makes it more fun to find the story bits because you're actively searching them out and trying to piece everything together like a puzzle. Yeah. And I love that about these games. The fact that there's like two different endings and one, the true ending is this kind of uh, obtuse way of finding it. Um, it. It builds that sense of community that Bloodborne and any Souls game really has. It's the thing about all these games. It It's not. It doesn't have to do with anything about its difficulty. To me, I think what makes Soulsborne games unique is about solving things together. Mm-hmm. That's what makes that community so great is when they're on the hunt for finding something like a great example, Demon Souls, right? There's a new door and everybody's like, yeah. what is behind this door where we're going to figure it out and we're going to figure it out together like (laughs) that is the type of stuff that i love Mm -hmm. about that that community and about those games and you're right there's just so much to unpack with these games where it's it's kind of like a buffet of like where do you even start because it's just there's so much to them you know yeah i have I can't I don't even want to imagine how many hours I've sunk into watching videos by the likes of Vati Vidya and others lore crafting and elaborating and expanding on character stories and putting all the th- the little hidden tidbits together and really fleshing out things. Absolutely love watching those and like just diving into the lore aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing as you were saying it i was thinking of like these games are the only games i feel like maybe even kingdom hearts could fall in here as well but they're not nearly as well written um, that they <laughs> could be purposely obtuse and we all give them a pass because it's like there's just something about the lore that is so rich mm-hmm. that we give it a pass that it's obtuse and and sometimes you got to go through a you know a tooth comb to kind of to 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 get out there but like the story itself yeah it is very much you could take it as you go mm-hmm. or you could be like oh my god this thing is interesting right here ah oh, the description of this item says this this or that and when you get to the true story of bloodborne if you if we'd like to get into it i'd love of to of course uh because yeah. it's all off memory at this point is like it's it's horrifying because the thing with lovecraft is you it's it's all about walking into a town and it kind of like midsummer, right? You go into this place, you're, you're you're the newcomer there and everything looks fine until something doesn't smell right and you're in too deep and all of the townspeople are just the worst people where mm-hmm. Bloodborne it takes that on its head and going, "No, you're walking into this of the aftermath." You're walking into this knowing full well that the whole populace is crazy nut jobs. Like you're walking in there <laughs> knowing that they believe and they worship these these things. And, you know, for me, I'll, I'll go into the summary, very brief yeah. summary, because there's so much of the story is it's pretty much this dude named Willem 
goes into these catacombs of these ancient once were beings or maybe still are beings. And while he's there, he is studying these things that have somehow, some way exited this plane and are in another. At the same exact time, they find one of these things that haven't necessarily it's kind of like they didn't complete the the journey of transcending and they pretty much start siphoning this thing's blood um, in, in the quickest way about it. And during their research, Willem says, I need to, I need to see beyond this mortal plane. I need to think beyond this mortal plane in order to transcend while his, you know, uh, his understudy, uh, which we you know did the reenactment to Lawrence, says, no, 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 actually, we can use this blood that we get and we can actually it can actually help people. It can actually heal people. And maybe through the blood administration, maybe we can actually transcend that way. And so Willem right off the bat goes, bro, that ain't that ain't it. I'll, I'll, I'll gouge out my eyes, but I'm not drinking no blood. All right. That's my limit. That's where I cross the line. That's where I cross the line. And Lawrence goes to Yarnum with what he's learned and a whole bunch of blood. And he starts uh, creating his own. And that blood becomes more and more toxic and diseased. And what slowly starts happening is people start becoming and turning into these beasts. Ergo, why you see those werewolf people, but also why you're there. You're a hunter. Hunters are created by this church that was, again, once so powerful that healed so many to actually go out on these hunts and kill whoever has has turned. And so much so that they've that they even had to burn down a section of their own city just to try Mm -hmm. to keep it under control. And so you're walking in and you're trying to understand what's happened why it's happened and why it continues to happen. And so that is da where fuck, guys da fuck. <laughs> it's like, yo, I'm, I'm here to get healed. What's going on. And that's pretty much what, what happened. So, you know, the three endings of which you choose, I don't know necessarily, I want to spoil them, but it's, it's where you take and continue either the story of Yarnum or somewhere else. Um, that is really interesting. Now, for me, here's where the fake fan comes in to play. When I beat Bloodborne, I beat it. I wiped my hands of it, and I left. I was like, this game's amazing. I beat it two more times in that year. But I was just like, okay, I'm what's done is done. I'm now going to go on to the next game. And the old Hunters DLC came out in November. And that was by the time where you got your Call of Duties, your, you know, your other games out there your fallout for where we're promised and we bought all the wristbands uh for and i never got to the old hunters dlc and every time i go back to bloodborne i always go i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to old hunters i'm gonna go to Mm -hmm. old hunters this is the time because i legitimately hear that it is the best dlc ever made hands down bar none and every time i'm about to i just get lost in its story and i either get too overpowered and so to me it wouldn't feel like the challenge is there Mm -hmm. or i 
<laughs> or I beat the game and I get to new game plus and then I go, oh shit, then whatever is in front of me is going to be way too challenging. So I, I, I'm still waiting and I'm holding out hope that we're going to get that 60 FPS mode or mm-hmm. the, and I'm the only person that wants it. It seems the remake or remaster that 60 yeah. FPS. I need it. See, I think this is 100% a game that could be remastered. I don't know if it's like, I'm in a, let's get a remake of it. Because yeah. I don't know if I want like a full remake of it. Like a remaster, yeah, like a 60 FPS 4K Bloodborne. Like with the old Hunter DLC, everything in a single package, sign me up. I don't know if it needs a remake just yet. So, like a full remake. Yeah, everybody yells at me about this take. And... uh I'm ready. I'm listen. Yeah, explain. Like, what are you? I'm here. What would you look for in a remake over a remaster? Like, what would a Bloodborne remake be? So, I think if they are smart, I think they'll probably call it remaster, or they'll dabble with calling it something totally different, like definitive edition or whatever. Um, the reason is is because, and I'm not saying I have any sources. Not going to say that. What I will say is that I'm saying this with gusto. I'm saying it with confidence. And if you say things like you mean them, those things are always going to line in your path. It's always going to come true. And if it doesn't, you were lied to, but not by me. Is <laughs> my, my thought and my theory is that um, Bluepoint is, in fact, working on a remake or a remaster, a deep remaster of Bloodborne. I think they are probably also working with a very small team over at uh, from and Mm -hmm. probably from's doing more of a consulting than anything. It's kind of like when they came up to do Demon Souls and this was from Game Informer uh, when they went to from the kind of not to get their blessing because they could have done it immediately, but going, hey, we're going to do this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And then going, if you could do this, you're, you guys are crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and they did it. So I think first and foremost, Blue Point's working on this. They're getting some consulting from From Software to make this game. Now, why does it need to be made from the ground up? Well, I can look towards something like The Last of Us Remastered as a great example of Naughty Dog wanting to learn the PlayStation 4 and what it can do as it transitions out of the cell processor, right? Of, of mm-hmm. Transitioning out of the PS3. So if I'm Bluepoint and I know how particular these from software fans are about their games, I can't just make a Bloodborne 2. I do need to... F- I do need to show if if this makes any sense. I do need to show those who are apprehensive my homework as to why I'm the best candidate because from software is now off to do all these huge ginormous projects and they're way too expensive to contract now. So I'm going to literally turn around and I'm going to say, okay, blue point, go ahead make this remake or make this remaster, learn the engine of this game. Learn what makes Bloodborne tick from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Learn its level design. Learn its combat. Learn those trick weapons. Learn the lore. Learn the story. 
immerse yourself in this universe because you're going to be this game's adopted dad. And so if I'm blue point, I don't want to do a sequel either first, right off the gate. I really want to understand this game from the nuts and bolts of what makes this thing its foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I feel like the remaster and remake strategy makes sense because if I am doing an undertaking of a game that helped define a genre, I definitely want to know about that game before adding any type of new ideas or new concepts to it. And as a fan base, you kind of want that too. At -hmm. the same exact time, I have full faith in whoever takes over this game because we've seen, you know, it doesn't necessarily like my favorite, um, my, my favorite, uh, naughty dog game was made out of pockets of different studios, right? Um, it wasn't the main Naughty Dog group, which was Lost Legacy. When I take a look at Metroid Dread, that is a studio that is well capable of making Castlevania games and made a kick-ass Metroid game, right? So even when it comes to games like Mario... Arguably two kick-ass Metroid games, because they did Return of Samus on 3DS as well. Right, there you go. And that's actually a great example of like, work out what makes this game tick, fix it or not fix it, learn from it, and then take what you learn into the sequel. Same with the Mario Odyssey, right? Like that ain't Miyamoto ain't touching that game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So to me, uh, part of it is trying to put the ease of the from software fans at bay here and going, okay, fine. We're you're, 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 you're dipping your toes in. I like that. You're not, you're not, you're not, Wielding it like you own it right now. Great. And at the same exact time, Blue Point's probably trying to learn the most they can from this IP before they do a full-blown sequel. And then Sony gets a profit twice from it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they already proved that they have the chops with the Demon Souls remake. And granted, how combat yeah. and everything is handled between a Souls game and Bloodborne is fairly different. Um, but I think them showing how well they could do it with the Demon Souls remake, um, yeah. Blue Point definitely proved themselves. And I would love to see um, them handle that. I, I hope they have a big enough team to do that and Metal Gear Solid. Because I still want Blue Point to handle <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Uh, yeah. As as listeners know or may not know, my Twitter handle is Solid Snake120. I love Metal Gear. Um, so. I, I hope they do both. I want both. I want my pie and my cake. Thanksgiving I, just I, passed. I want both my apple pie and my pecan pie. <laughs> I hope you get it. But I also hope I get my blood point. Oh, because I need it. 100%. I need it. Um, But I'm, I'm curious now. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. What would you want to see in a Bloodborne 2? Oh, man. Every it's so hard because to me, I'm very much like, I don't know what I want. I just know that I want it. I'm, I'm the, I'm the type of like, show me, show me what I want. You know, like mm-hmm. that Steve jobs adage of like the customer has no idea what they want. You need to show them what they want. That's kind of what I'm at here as well. Cause I'm just like, just give me more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like put a couple more weapons in there, you know? 
put it like in a district of Yarnum, who knows? But like, I just, I just want more of that world. I think that there are so many stories to tell there that the lore is so rich with ideas that you could play around in this twisted playground for a very, very, very long time. And as you know, game fans, we always look at something like, um, we always take a, take a look at a game going, Oh, but in its sequel, or this Mm -hmm. is a good setup for a franchise. Right. Mm -hmm. And very much this game could just be a one-off and we never get anything like it again. So to me, it's kind of perfect in that regard. What I got from bloodborne to me is a perfect game. It is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm -hmm. And what I want from a sequel is something that I didn't know I want. Well, at the same exact time, if I never get that sequel, I'm also completely fine because I, I experienced something that is nearly perfect. Yeah. So I know that's such a safe bullshit answer, but it is <laughs> at the end of the day, my answer. No, no problem. I, 60 I, I FPS, 4k it. don't lag in between steps. I spawn immediately after I die. Um, the list goes on. <laughs> yeah. You'd much rather but, have like, so if it's it, between yeah, getting a brand new title and like a remaster remake of the original Bloodborne, which would you take? Uh, I do. If you see only that. get one, if I only get one, yes, huh. only one or is, the other is from making it. Uh, we'll say yes. Then I want a sequel. If from software isn't making it, I'd like a remaster. And again, it's not for me to like for Blue Point to, to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not about that to me. To me, it's for that team to learn its systems inside and out so that they could become accustomed to it. And I get my 60 FPS like I want. <laughs> I like it. Sounds yeah. good. So, what is. We've talked about all of the kind of craziness um, yeah. and layers of depth that can be found in Bloodborne. What's and and the twist. What's the area or event um that I guess really like blew you away? Was it just that twist of that discovery that the more insight you get, you start seeing things or mm. was there an encounter or dialogue that like really blew you away? Great question. And you said you you lagged out a little bit before okay. you said event. What was what was that one word? Uh, no. Was there like an event or moment or dialogue or something it. that really like whoa for you? Yeah, there's a few. Um, Father Gascoigne is that moment where I was like, oh shit, this game is something else. Um, then when you find Old Yarnum. And the dude with the chain gun is just shooting down on you. Here's mm-hmm. a fun fact with a, about the dude in the chainsaw uh, or, or chain Gatling gun. Um, I've been doing that sequence, quote unquote, wrong this entire time. <laughs> I never went through the houses as he's shooting at me. I've always just went straight ahead and I've always avoided the guy that comes swinging for you. And I always climb up the ladder first and I always do a glitch thing. Where um, where I, I I aggro the guy with the chain gun and quickly get on 
the ladder before he hits me and then just just go ever so slightly down that he'll thrust forward while I'm on the ladder and he'll kill himself by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go down and then I kick that other dude's ass. Um, that That is a moment when I saw I was like, oh, shoot, this game is something else. Um, then the um, Vicar Amelia fight, um, mm-hmm. the beast in the church. That fight is so, so cool because you've now understood the tenets of what this game is and Mm -hmm. kind of have your bearings about you. You're kind of in you now understand what this game is fully. So that boss fight to me, I just kick the shit out of Vicar Amelia all the time. And at that (laughs) point forward, even until I get to Rom. I literally just start going ham on everything and everyone They're Like I, it, it's funny. Cause I was, I was literally on a call once with my um, good friend, Fiona. And I was just like, Oh, Fiona, I just want to let you know, I'm an hour, 30 minutes in a bloodborne. I am on boss four <laughs> while we're having this conversation. And she's like, Oh, hot damn. That was the best. That was the, that was the best role of luck I've ever had. Cause I was just in a train of thought and I was just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. So that fight is going dope to ultra instincts right there. Ultra instincts. Because when you get to, when you get to that cutscene, I was like, Oh man, this is, this game's dope. The area that unlocked my absolute love for this game mm-hmm. is the forgotten woods. That whole okay. level to me, there's just something about it. There's just something about, there's it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the Warshack scene from Watchmen <laughs> mixed with the first fight scene in the Patriot where it's like I'm using all that these is muskets. quite the that is quite the the combo right there. Yeah, because I'm using all these muskets. <laughs> I'm in this thick thicket thog fog and I'm just going through all these baddies like it's nothing right getting bloodied mm-hmm. up and whatnot. And then it's kind of like that scene in, in, in Watchmen. Cause it's like, you're not, I'm not here with you. You're here with me. It's going down. And there's again, nothing in my way. I'm just mowing through everyone. The snake people, the, the, the people with all mm-hmm. the snakes for heads, those people, that was the one enemy I encountered where I'm like, this game is bullshit. And then I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, actually, there's just enough reach where I could just use my, my two handed version of this weapon and just do heavy attacks on them. And I and I got this perfectly. That was mm-hmm. that was the one encounter where I was just like, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah I figured this game out. There's, it's it's <laughs> only up from here. And there's two sequences that you can take through the forgotten wo- woods where you go to. Um, Oh, goodness. You can sneak back into the first level um, through. Um, oh, God, I forgot her name. Yeah, oh, it's going to haunt me. But you, you go through the 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 kind of hospital and mm-hmm. you find that something. There's some fuckery afoot. And uh, you're 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 kind of going through if you sent people there or not, which you shouldn't. Spoiler alert. You're, you're finding out that person isn't who they seem. And then there's another there's another road you can take that leads to some more cosmic horror, which I really dig. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of hidden secrets in Forgotten Woods that mm-hmm. I feel like is always overlooked because the first level itself is just so, so fantastic. I just want to say I want 
on a t-shirt, there's some fuckery afoot. <laughs> I, I want that on a shirt. I'll get Diego to get on it immediately. <laughs> With like an inquisitive looking like character of your face and just there's some fuckery afoot. There's some fuckery afoot. I dig it. Yeah. I love it. I'll get Diego on it. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's this game is just so fantastic. Now, like how many times do you think you've played through Bloodborne? Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah. That's uh, a definitive answer. I know I've gotten seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. All of them like new game, like just straight new games or any. What's the farthest new game plus wise you've gotten? No, I've gone uh, new game plus plus on it. And the, to me, I, like when people are like, oh, you, wait until you get new game plus new game plus is difficult. But once you get to plus and plus plus, mm-hmm. like it's it levels off. <laughs> it, it becomes <laughs> less about you grinding and you just knowing the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your like, do you have a go to uh, loadout like equipment loadout? Absolutely, I do. I have the original hunter's garb that you get. In the first level in the, in the sewers, that is my go-to armor. Um, and then it's the saw cleaver, and then it's the blunderbuss. I fucking hate the pistol. Pistol's useless to me. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it's all like, the, the guns are only there to parry. They're yeah. not there to serve anything else. I know there's some weapons that you could go and use, and that's great. But to me, no, it's only to parry. So that is who you see on the cover that is who I'm being when I'm playing this game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you done any sort of like challenge runs or challenge playthroughs? Um, no, I'm not that type of sadist. <laughs> to me, Bloodborne is just, it's a, it's, it's my condo in Florida. I love to visit uh-huh. it once a year and see the there sights. Um, I don't do go. like the, like, fists only or no armor runs those mm-hmm. are for mad people i give great credit to y'all uh I, I don't i'm not beating it with a guitar hero uh controller thing so to me it, it it's very much it, it very much is to see the sights again and it's also like my downtime game as well yeah your yeah. zen game so, yeah oddly enough it is quite the game for for a zen game but i i hear you i get it well i have I a uh, i have a hot take do you want to hear the hot take of course these games aren't hard <laughs> they're not that difficult <laughs> see i don't i i agree with you i think it's yeah. these games are so much more about learning yep than diff like sheer difficulty like it is if you take a step back and just watch what they're doing the first few times you encounter like a boss or something, it's more about learning patterns. Yes. And once you learn those patterns, it becomes it it becomes so much it's based off you and what your your move is. We often when we talk about from software games, we often talk about the difficulty. Does there need to be a difficulty? Does there need to be an easy mode? Does there need to be what needs to be in this game? And to me, I always come back to that is such a tired tired argument that's not worth having anymore because it's obvious that from from software does not want 
anything to do with it. So the only thing, like if you, and that's sad to some, and that's not sad to others. I, the, the, mm-hmm. the community itself is so split on this. Um, should there be an easy mode? Should there not be? Um, that it is something that it's like, how about we just leave it as it is? There is, there are things that make those games easier for folks that we often don't talk about. Like, for example, Demon Souls, first off, easiest game to get into. If you want to get into a game like, you know, from software, uh, you know, type games like Bloodborne, get into mm-hmm. Demon Souls first and then choose the magic class. And that is in, in itself easy as all hell. Yeah. Um, it, it's literally, it's not a challenge. It's, it's, I, I, I beat Demon Souls once with a knight, once with a mage, just to see. And with the mage class, I was getting bored because <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> Half of the moves you you don't have to evade. There are things in the systems of these games that make them inherently easier for the player if the player chooses to do those certain things. To me, my biggest hot take is if I put just an easy mode to put an easy mode in there, I have lost all the allure that makes those games interesting. The, the, The game is interesting because it's forcing you to learn what that game is, how many mm-hmm. games do, how many games hold your hand from start to finish where you just, you're at your last checkpoint when you go, you know, you can, uh, Guardians is a great example, great experience. It's a great time, but there is a mode where you're just like, I am put the damage to all the way fast and put their movement to all the way slow. And now I'm just here to grind out the trophies to me from software games and Bloodborne are different because it is based on how do you, how do you know this game? How do you know mm-hmm. its patterns and what it's trying to intimately teach you? And I know that isn't the most popular opinion to have, but it's, it's really mine. Does, does from software, does Bloodborne need an easy mode? No, from software ain't going to do it. Um, and I think the f- fan base would, probably riot so the only thing you can do is make a game that has an easy mode that's that's like it and do it that way there are games out there that have that like you know uh fallen order that come to mind Mm -hmm. so there are games that take great inspiration from from software games that you can have that easy experience with but to me yeah there are definitely times where i get into a boss fight and i'm like whoo I'm going to turn the difficulty setting all the way down because I just want to beat you. And to me, that kind of takes the allure from the dopamine that I get from beating these bosses. So, again, I get it. It's not the best opinion, but it's mine. I I think the difficulty, quote unquote, the quote unquote difficulty setting or option with Souls games has always been summoning people. Oh, say that again. I'm sorry. You lagged out a little bit. No, I I was just saying, I think the quote unquote difficulty setting in these games has always been summoning friends, like summoning people. If you want an easier experience, summon people, summon a friend, play it co-op, play it with three friends now, four friends. To I me, mean, it's like what to me. And I, I, I know it's like a, the shittiest thing to say, but it's like all these games, they've gone iteration upon iteration upon iteration they have not done it and they've literally said that they will not do it so 
are we going to, how many times are we going to vilify them until we actually make our game ourselves and say, you know what? We can do it. And it's this game right here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's like, it's such a tired argument every time these games come out because it's, it's no matter what op-ed is going to come out, you're not going to change Miyazaki's mind. So why bother? Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I, I mirror a lot of your sentiment. I don't think, I think there are a lot more, um, important accessibility options that should be like mandatory, like being able to remap options, colorblind yep. settings, things like yep. that. Be like, I think those are very much, yes, add them. I lie on the fence of, I don't know, like if a developer like FromSoft or another company or like any quote unquote difficult game. I don't think a developer should be forced to include a game mode or like an, a difficulty slider. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they should. I, on the flip side, I think they should have be required to include an option to remap keys on a controller or buttons on a controller Yeah, or for colorblind options or things like that. I think those are, those should be mandatory. Yeah, I I agree with you there, because like for me, um, you know, I've heard I've heard some folks going, you know, there are some legitimate accessible things that like accessibility doesn't necessarily just mean easy mode or very easy mode or just just walk through the cutscene mode. Um, No, it's not just difficulty sliders. There's other things that you can do to make it more accessible for people with whatever that they're dealing with. And so to me, yeah, like a lot of those things, which is really cool to see people like uh, Microsoft and Sony do on their systems in itself so that it limits costs because Mm -hmm. effectively what we're telling all these people is just like, Hey, Hey, that development has to also go here, there and everywhere. And so Mm -hmm. if my whole belief is, if a studio says and they have the budget for and they want to add uh, those elements in, they absolutely can. It is totally 100 mm-hmm. percent on the developer to do. And I don't feel like they should be shamed to go one way or the other. I think that's yeah. the thing that I, I ultimately don't like is when we shame people or companies or whatever to just to come to our way or the highway. Yeah. I think it's also matters like it's okay if a game's not for you. It's okay to not like a game or to bounce off a game. Not every game has to uh, appeal to you. And for the longest time, I bounced off Resident Evil, the Resident Evil series. I hated the tank controls. I was like, I really want to experience these games. I hate the tank controls, so I'm just not going to play them. Now, in later games and whatnot, they or remakes, they added better controls that I found to be better. Mm-hmm. And I went and played them. I enjoyed them, but yeah. I didn't curse the heavens and yeah. shout to the rooftops. Fuck these controls. They have to change it for me. Yeah. For a great example, um, two, two, two examples for me. I cannot beat Neo. Can't get into it. Game's too hard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm out. Right. Another great example, Sekiro. Sekiro is from software purposely giving its fans the middle finger going, hey, remember everything we taught you about our games? Well, uh, relearn all of that. And also we put a jump 
in this game. So have fun, losers. <laughs> they jumped in their Maserati. Um, that game I can't beat. I can't even beat the first boss. I'm not mm-hmm. sh- ashamed to, to admit it. It's a game that I want to get back to for sure. But I know for sure it is a game that I will never beat. And guess what? I am absolutely fine knowing that I can't do it. As much as I love it or, or love the look of it, I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't jive with it. And I'm not losing sleep because there's so many other games to play. Yeah. I bounced off of Sekiro too. Um, I'm, I'm a more like much more of a fan of Neo. I love the Neo games. Yeah. Um, but Sekiro just never did it for me. It's like, yeah. I'm not a, I miss having the weapon variety that I would get in like a Bloodborne or Soul or yep. Dark Souls or Demon Souls. The prosthetic tools and everything didn't really do it for me. And it's like, this is cool. I've seen a lot of cool videos. I want, I wish I liked it more than I do, but I don't. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just go play something else. I'll go play Neo or I'll play Dark Souls or Bloodborne or something. And that's okay. It is a hundred percent okay to not like, or to kind of bounce off or not be able to play a popular game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And And that's not the developer's fault. Yeah. And I think that's what the allure of, uh, of, from games are is that it's it's allure is it's not for everyone it's mm-hmm. allure is is it's we're not call of duty we're not insert triple a game here we're, yeah. we're our own thing and we're just gonna do what we want and uh if you come for the ride that's great because we like money as well but we're making it because this is a game we want to make and it's inherently our vision and is that what we want at the end of the day mm-hmm. it is and that's what makes him so go- cool. That's why yeah. it is it is awesome to see when Elden Ring has all these millions of eyes on it when it breaks Gamescom, right? Like, yeah, it shows that like, yeah, people don't want just their handheld, you know, that people want that challenge. I mean, that's where this whole thing started was the the huge buzz around Demon Souls, which started the whole Soul series, was because. It was so different. It didn't hold your hand. And granted, like as you learn things and found all the utterly broken combos and spells you could do, yeah, it became easier. But like that was the little lore. How unapologetically brutal it was. That was the allure. That was the whole allure. It didn't have great visuals. It had poor performance in a lot of places, but it was a action RPG that was really hard in an mm-hmm. era of gray shooters and a lot of hand-holding video games that's what it was its appeal is and that's what the series has been and there are ways to make it easier for yourself like i mentioned you could play with friends i would 100 percent love it if they fix their weird ass matchmaking system to make it more (laughs) to make that more approachable i need yes yes i think if they just made that easy and let you team up with a person like from the beginning and play through it that way without like unsummoning and then having to resummon them back and setting passcodes i think that i would a hundred percent take a better matchmaking play like co-op system over a difficulty slider any day for a souls game absolutely Absolutely. That's the thing that I want to address. That's what I want in Bloodborne 2. Give me something where I just jump into a friend's game. That'd be great. Yeah. Do that. There's your difficulty adjustment. Yeah. Play with friends, but it's uh, <sighs> magical games. Um, 
magical, magical games. We're going to get yelled at in the morning once this thing comes out. You know this, right? Uh, I'm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'll so, take the heat. <laughs> it's, uh, if you can't take the heat, like, I, I don't discredit people that if you feel that way, great. I disagree with you. You People are free to many of their own opinions. What? No, like, this is okay. the internet. No, 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 no. Yeah, so we're going to hive mind. <laughs> and we all have to be on the same page. And if we're not, we're going to cuss. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. there, there's fuckery afoot, as, exactly. as the shirt says. Exactly. Um, but we are not the only ones that absolutely love Bloodborne. So we are going around the web. First up, we are starting with user the Spudatron from Reddit. They say, My fondest moment was being in with a few other players who were gunning for the Platinum Trophy to see who could get it first. The competition was fierce, but in a, but in a good fun too. We all managed to get there in the end, and it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got, you're got you a, a, a platinum seeker, as it were, aren't you, Joseph? Okay, so I have a rule when it comes to platinums. Um, I, I have 42, 43. Um, my rule with platinums is they have to be games I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And even then, um, I don't necessarily go for them. But they have to absolutely be games I love because to me, if I'm just like Kyle and I'm buying all these dollar plats, that's not good. That's not safe. That's not healthy. Um, it, it, it can't just be a game, you know, I can't just get one to get one because I'm bored. It has to really have mm-hmm. some meaning to it. Even games like God of War, which I absolutely love and I think is a masterpiece of greatest game all made. Um, I don't have the platinum in it because of those goddamn um uh, Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think with games like Returnal and games like Guardians, it actually taught me why I hate the platinum grind so much because it oftentimes blurs my vision or or tarnishes, for lack of a better word or pun, um, my experience with those games because I'm just going through the motions and not doing it because I want to. I'm doing it because of this this dumb platinum trophy that doesn't really <laughs> exist. <laughs> I hear you. I hear yeah. you. You want to take the next one? Oh, certainly, certainly. Uh, this comes from Ari eight one one eight. Working up the courage to fight the first boss of my first ever Souls game, the Cleric Beast. Assuming I die in the first try, but managed to beat him instead. That throw kept me looking for more. And when I finally beat the Orphan of Cause after fifteen tries, um, the Orphan of Cause could go. You know, <laughs> literally fuck itself uh, after <laughs> after uh, the same exhilaration, shaking in my seat. I'm thinking of the wetness. Uh, nonetheless, shaking in my seat, but loving the experience. Yeah, that's it's the dopamine hit. See, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. And, and mm-hmm. if people like like try to discount it. There is a, a thing of I did this and I beat this, and and by adding that just. Make it so he hits you hard, uh, less hard. That really does tarnish that experience by just having the option because now there is that temptation of, I'm just going to put this shit to easy. I'm going to whack this thing in the face and I'm going to be done with it. Um, so, yeah, I, li- I like that. I like that one. You take the next one, big guy. I, I, I will say, like, 
this is one of the things that I love most about these the series of game. The mm-hmm. sense of gratification you get when you succeed. Yeah. When you find a route, when you beat that boss that's been giving you issues, when you figure out a strategy and you execute it and it works out like that sense of satisfaction. It's like almost unparalleled, like I I can't think of another game series that gets me that feeling as much as I can get from these games. Absolutely. Hey, you, you took, I couldn't say it better myself. Absolutely. Um, it's just magical. Uh, yeah. Next up, we have user Luna Cielli from Reddit. They say, definitely overcoming my fear of playing through the game. When I first started, I was genuinely scared of everything. The eerie background noises, the atmosphere, and central Yarnum was terrifying as a whole. I, prog- I progressed super slowly and carefully. Once I got a- more used to it, and when I managed to defeat my first boss in only two attempts, I was so happy. I realized I could actually play a game like this. I loved it before I started playing it, so actually being able to do it myself was amazing. After that, just pretty much all of it. There isn't quite anything like Bloodborne. More of what you just said prior. This is what these yeah. games are about. It really is about that dopamine hit of when you defeat that boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's what Bloody Thomas had to say on Reddit. You know what, Bloody Thomas? I don't know why I feel like I'm in the fight mood, but I'll fight you in the streets. Uh, They write, (laughs) I just started playing Bloodborne on a whim at four o'clock in the morning during the first week or so of the first lockdown. When we when we all genuinely thought it would be the end of the world. Talking to some of the NPCs, their locked doors and windows as they gradually got more and more manic and suddenly very quiet. It was absolutely surreal. I felt like I was going mad. What a time to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. A nice Bloody real uh, cheery game. Oh, boy, you made a mistake. But yes. Yes, there is something about that. There the, is something about that. Yeah. Uh, the atmosphere in this game is that Victorian eldritch horror. It's like, oh, I can't imagine playing this at four o'clock, let alone at the start of a pandemic, which Admittedly, like I feel like in the first week or so, we all thought, "Oh, well, things will be back to normal by Easter." Uh, yeah, in a week. Uh, we if this thing wrong. is in, yeah. <laughs> and now look at we got to fight fucking Omicron or whatever the fucking Transformer is called. Ugh, <sighs> damn Omicron, which also kind of sm- sounds like a uh, a boss you would fight in Bloodborne. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have user Saruga underscore monkey from Reddit. They say late at night after midnight, all lights turned off the top of the chapel opposite of my apartment, visible through the windows, the moon shining briefly between some clouds. Playing this. Oh, what a an atmospheric time to be playing this game. Yeah. Well, they're painting the scene. I know. Oh, my God. One of my most memorable experiences would have to be exploring the DLC of Bloodborne for the first time. After playing through the game twice, especially experience the research hall completely blind. I dig it. Trying to survive to find my way to talk to those that had yet had the capacity to speak, to try and connect the dots, finding the patient tending to that flower, Reaching the failures and then the climax of meeting that person who was so clear, 
who was so dear to the patients and German, Lady Maria. Experiencing, experiencing what is still two years later my favorite fight in the game, and ending the night after passing through the astral clock mechanism, what I wouldn't give to play the DLC like the first time again. I'll see you there, Sugar Monkey. I'll see you there. It'll happen. I'll play it. Don't yeah. worry. Everybody's saying that Lady Maria fight, that Lady Maria yeah. fight. You're tempting me. You're tempting me. But uh, I feel like <laughs> by next year, I'll I'll get to fight Lady Maria in 60 FPS. All right. <clears throat> I want to say this with uh, with a little pizzazz. This is this comes from Nugget Ass. On <laughs> That's I it. love Reddit names. Yeah. Three I, I just love Reddit names. You know, you're a nugget ass. All right. Uh, from Reddit, they say, walking out of the make a contact gesture, it just perfectly contextualized everything we have some seen up until that point. This is the result of a man's aspiration for the stars. Often RPGs are these fantastical premises and scenarios for you to explore, and it always the best when you finally click together the why of it all. That is exactly what makes this game great, is when it clicks of the why of it all. That's nugget ass. You're a real smart man. <laughs> You're a smart individual, nugget ass. Yeah. Two thumbs up. And thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories from Bloodborne. As always, down in the show notes, you'll find links where you can share your own thoughts, memories, and moments directly with us. We can't wait to read them. Absolutely. Now, now after hearing Joseph and I talk about this wonderful game, you might be wondering where you can get it yourself. Well, we're here to help you with that as well. First and foremost, this is really cheap and you can find it pretty easily. It's still available on digitally on the PlayStation Store. You can buy it both on the PS4 or the PS5 Store. The normal edition is $19.99 or you can buy the complete version digitally, which comes with the old Hunter's DLC included for $34.99. Physical wise, you can get a brand new copy for about 15, uh, between 15 and 20 bucks, brand new and used copies around nine bucks, nine to 10 or 10 to 15 bucks, depending on completeness. So Mm -hmm. really pretty cheap. Um, and that's for uh, new and used. So really pretty easy to pick up. Let me, let me take a look at the collectors. Uh, cause I I have the steel book. I think that's up to like 200. Depending. Uh, Steelbook. eBay. Let's go to eBay. So, uh, I'm on price charting currently myself. Okay, uh, okay. A loose copy of the collector's edition is currently going for 115 Complete box, complete in box price of the collector's is 125 And a brand new of the collector's is 280 And you can pry it off my cold dead hands if you defeat me in battle. There you go. Apparently the 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 guide is super expensive too, like a hundred bucks for the strategy guide. Maybe I should have kept the guide. <laughs> I have it sitting right here next to me. Yeah, it's beautiful. What a beautiful masterpiece. Oh, all, all the from software strategy guides are super super beautiful, sexy sexy guides. I have to say. Shout out also. Can I just say shout out to the strategy guide for anything that has to deal with horror. I don't know why this just popped in my mind, but you're the only <laughs> thing that got me through Dead Space 1 and 2. So shout out to those guide riders. 
Shout out to strategy guides, period. You're yeah. I, I miss strategy guides with everything. Big same. Remember the the Skyrim one was a legitimate Bible. Oh yeah. Ugh. So good. And yes, shout out to you. all the the guide the guide writers out there. As someone who's currently writing the like walkthrough guides and things for SMT five for IGN, uh, uh, it, it's no joke. <laughs> they, oh yeah, it's a lot of work. Oh yeah. But thank you, guide writer. All right. Yes, thank you, guide writers. <laughs> You're the real heroes. But let's say you have picked up your copy of Bloodborne and you're wondering uh, and you're looking for some advice. Well, we are here to help you with that as well. So, Joseph, what tips or advice would you give to brand new players? Patience. It's a virtue. Um, Honestly, understand what the game is trying to tell you. Understand you're going to die a lot because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But once you get acquainted with this game and trust me the first level does a great job of introing you to the game if i could just for a quick sec it intros you by literally giving you the first the first encounter is someone that you will die to the werewolf and when you get your first weapon uh whatever you choose which if you're a newcomer you should choose a saw cleaver because it's probably the most reliable or the axe because the axe is incredibly powerful early game um, you then beat that werewolf and then you start to see when you go through the main path that the path is locked. And so you have to go through an alternate route, which means you have to discover, which is literally a lever directly to your left. And right there, you're acquainted with the lamp that you see. And from there, you're acquainted with your second encounter, which is a guy that just literally comes out of the corner And so it literally says, hey, don't trust your surroundings. And then you get two enemies, one that's kind of slumped down and one that's kind of hidden. Uh, It teaches you about how to handle two enemies at once. And then you get your first mob of about four or five. And it teaches you how to deal with multiple characters at once. And then you get into that one fight where it's just the big bonfire. And it teaches you how to pull an aggro folks to you and not necessarily take the whole crowd at once um who by the way and then you get to meet the frankenstein monster and that is where it is your first hard enemy which even till this day he will kick my ass (laughs) or you actually find that if you roll into some barrels you actually find a a shortcut to to the to the lamp you can actually have a your own little u-turn um there are so many little caverns that you could come across in the first level and so many encounters that you come across that help you teach you what this game is and what you're going to experience from here on out in the first 40 minutes of that game tells you what the next 30 to 40 hours are going to be so incredibly well so my only thing to you is patience patience between every fight patience when you're looking around never take anything for granted because the game will take everything from you if you feel secure so always be on guard good good advice good advice and for me i touched upon it a little earlier but if you do have an issue or having a challenge and you want to reduce it slightly have a friend buy the game and invite him to your game like that the best way to reduce if you are really banging your head and you just can't figure it out, 
look up guides, look up builds, build ideas, mm-hmm. or just invite friend like invite a friend to come play with you. Not only is it fun, but it will lessen the uh, the the difficulty strain on you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. So, Joseph, what enemy are you bringing to the arena this week? All right, so this one's a straight-up spoiler. Um, this this one is, theoretically, depending on, <laughs> the last or second-to-last boss in the game. And I'm giving you enough time, so, you know, if you need to skip ahead, skip ahead. But then after this is the outro, so my name's been... Mr. Badbit, find me at Mr. Badbit. Find me at PS Trophy Room. Find the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Ever. Where? Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You get it. You get the gist. And now I gave you enough time to say goodbye. And also rate this show five stars when you're going over to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast. All right. My enemy, my monster, the boss of the week is Guerman, the first hunter. That. Um, that is the holy shit moment, dude. That is that I'm getting chills just thinking about it when uh-huh. you. So you there comes a moment of the game where Graham is like, your job is done. I can kill you here and you'll just wake up like nothing happened. All right. So let's get this thing on. Let's uh, let me chop your head right off. That's the bad ending because all you do is you just wake up in the world again. So it's a loop, right? Technically, guess what? Guess what? Guess this, this death looping before a, death loop. A, a death loop game. It's a prequel. Uh, I, I'll find a clever tweet to tweet that out. <laughs> you get then another option. You deny Wehrman. You say no. I don't want to die. You're gonna chop my fucking head off? No. <laughs> I don't think so, bud. And Wehrman gets up out of his chair. Or no, Guerman has like a smile and he he just goes, tonight, Guerman joins the hunt. And usually when a hunter says they join the hunt, that means you're about to go toe to toe with this motherfucker. And so when Guerman says he's going to join the hunt, I'm like, oh shit, was his wheelchair going to turn into a mech? Because this man is wheelchair bound. I literally thought we were going to see some like, you know, Wild Wild West spider shit in action. And he gets up. And now all of a sudden, who is someone you've been looking down upon, not in a negative way, but literally your character looks down at him when you, when you talk. He's now this hulking thing. And not it, just by standing up, he's just this huge individual. So it adds to that presence. And then when you just see like the cherry blossom field, just, you know, cut to him taking his cane out of his back and it's actually a goddamn scythe. You're like, holy mother of all God. And I this guy, regret my decision. <laughs> yeah. And this guy's like the Usain fucking bolt of goddamn hunters. Cause this guy is doing swishes and swooshes everywhere. And so like this guy becomes one of the most fast, nimble sons of bitches you have ever seen. And that fight is the most intense Here's everything you've ever learned in this fight. Here's this beautiful crescendo. And I died, I think, six times to him. And when I finally beat him, there was like this, oh, my God. I It, it's, it was kind of like 
I've become the master. This is like, I am now Gwerman, mm-hmm. which effectively you are. If you then eat the three umbilical cords, which is gross, but it's very high in potassium. <laughs> then you fight the, um, oh God. So the, like the nameless one, which is the moon right, presence, the moon presence. There you go. Which is one of the Thumerian creatures. And if you defeat them, you then go up into the higher plane of existence and you become a little squid thing. It's cute. You become a real cute son of a bitch. <laughs> that's uh, that's the greatest fight in a video game to me still. It's or a damn of. good It's no, no doubt, no doubt. But here are the stats for Garman, the first hunter. They have, he has 14, and this is just with new game health. This is, he has 14,293 health. He will drop 128,000 blood echoes. He has a physical defense of 150, a blunt defense of 150, and piercing defense of 100, uh, excuse me, thrust defense of 150, blood defense of 150, an arcane defense of 65, a fire defense of uh, 70, a bolt defense of 65, and he's pretty much immune to slow and rapid poison. His attacks include the scythe char- his scythe charge attack, a leaping scythe attack, a gun blast from his blunderbuss or pistol, his visceral attack, a sword flurry, a wind gust, scythe pull, and the end of nightmare that will trigger when he's under 50% HP. So be yeah. careful. Hold on to your butts. And uh yeah, there's some fuckery afoot. <laughs> <laughs> but that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University, everybody. Joseph, thank you so much for joining me today and uh nerding out over some Bloodborne. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, and uh, here's hoping we're recording this the week before the Game Awards, so hopefully next week uh, at the Game Awards on the 9th, we will hear about a remaster or remake. You never know. Eh, Probably not, but it's coming. Gusto, confidence, all things good will happen or something. There you go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But yes, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Uh, I know you touched on it briefly just a little bit ago but where can people find you on the internet what have you got cooking go ahead plug away all right here you go now there's no russian right there's no there's we made it through it's great you were spoiled or maybe you just joined in for the fun and maybe i convinced you to go play bloodborne which is again one of the games that defined the last generation Again, and as of recording, it's been 2,700, sorry, 2,075 days since the launch of the original Bloodborne. I just always need that to be known. Uh, that said, you could find my podcast, The Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players, where each and every Thursday, me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Again, each and every Thursday. And you can find the trophy wherever you find your podcast service of choice, whether that is Apple Podcasts, where you can rate us five stars, whether that is Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the video version on YouTube at the Trophy Room Show. You can find me over on Twitter, where sometimes I say funny things. And as of recently, I got some hot takes and some opinions that I think you guys uh, <laughs> should be aware about. Over at Mr. Badbit on Twitter, you can find the Trophy Room's Twitter at PS Trophy Room. And yeah, 
definitely be on the lookout for us in 2022 because we got some pretty cool plans and some pretty big guests coming on as well. So be on the lookout for all that and more over at the trophy room. Well, I can't wait to see them. Uh, yeah. But yes, be sure everybody to give them a follow. Check out their stuff. You and Kyle are some of the greats. So like I said, or like he said, rate, review them, five star, listen, subscribe. They do awesome things. And thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast services. I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.